Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. I think the best thing that fiscal conservatives can do is hold on for dear life. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he... Armstrong and Getty. Getty. Ooh, oh boy, that's a rough start. That's that's not good. Oh boy, it's, oh, we uh, got that on tape. If you're watching one of those artsy movies on Netflix, that's a uh, you know portends trouble. <laughs> oh, just foreshadowing exactly live from studio c a dimly lit room deeper than the bowels of the armstrong and getty communications compound and hey everybody today we're under the tutelage of our general manager the nominee some brilliant american woman will be named tomorrow as the next supreme court justice barring something crazy happening we're pretending we don't know who that is yes okay precisely right you know Trump, his love of show busyness. Yep, he's doing it at five the o'clock. The twist. Yeah. It'll have a, it'll have some showbiz to it. Amy Coney Baskin, some woman from you know Des Moines. Just to throw a twist. Meatloaf will be there. Well, Dennis Rodman, needless to say. Obviously, GB. Gary Go, Busey. Gary Busey. Yes. Gary Busey's in the White House. Um. That reminds me of the Netflix thing. Secretary of Crazy. <laughs> uh, I brought up Netflix. I just heard a review from a uh, TV critic, and you you were you, yesterday you were railing against music critics. Yes, yes, and, uh, just, uh, as a as a class, as a race, I despise music critics. And TV and movie critics are similar. And just yeah, I mean it. It's hard not to when they're getting into their their smug reviews of things, especially things they don't like. It's hard not to go to the obvious of. What have you ever freaking done in your life? Anything? Have you ever You've accomplished flowery anything? sentences about other people's creativity? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so silly. Anyway, I was hearing a, a negative review of the new season of Fargo. The most exciting part of the new season of Fargo, which comes out this weekend, is oh. Chris Rock is the lead. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's, oh, supposed to be, he's supposed to be really great in it as a crime boss in Kansas City. But uh, he's supposed to be really good. It's like his most uh, impressive dramatic role. Huh. But the series itself is supposed to be not that good. Now, whether it is or not, you know, I hate to even put that in your head. I, right. hate, I wish it wouldn't right. have been put in my head. Because yeah. the, the critic's opinion, who freaking cares? Right. But he did say something that I thought was really interesting. And I thought this the other night when I was watching something on Netflix. It's easy to mistake quirkiness for creativity or oddness for brilliance. That is true. I often think when I'm watching a lot of these shows, is this like really cool artsy or is this just not traditional or weird or something? Is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just playing a weird note doesn't make it a really interesting solo. Yeah, an intriguing notion. Yeah. You're right. And I and I think that we've gone so down the far the road far down the road of, uh, you know, weird and quirky that yeah. that sometimes that that's just all things are. There are times, I admit, I have been hooked by something and think, wow, this is really different. This is bold. This is this cool. And I'll watch and I'll watch and I'll watch and I realize it's just not working. This this does not, it's, it, it is odd, but it's merely odd. You're right. Well, it's it, there's so much great content out there. Yeah. Uh, I just think, uh, well, it's also trendy to just be wacky. 
to be out there. And then the really great stuff, I'm having trouble getting through Better Call Saul because I can't I can't do it like a lot of stuff I take in where I just kind of have it on and I'm doing other things. Oh, no. no. It is not a second screen experience no. show. No, it's too good for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Fargo, is that a Netflix thing? You've been watching the Fargos, right? I've oh, never yeah. seen anything but the original movie. Yeah, I've watched a couple of the seasons twice. You can catch it on Hulu. Hulu? Yeah. Okay. I just stopped my Hulu so I could start my YouTube subscription. As, I can't subscribe to everything. As I recall, though, it airs on something else. A- FX. FX, FX, right. On, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do I have to pay for that? If it, It's your part of your cable package. Okay. Like, if you have cable, you have FX. But If yeah, you the, still have cable, boomer. <laughs> and, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have satellite, but... Um, uh, let's uh, kick off the show before we get into stuff. There was, there was a, t- to my mind, a pretty big thing that came out, um, on the whole FBI collusion steel dossier thing yesterday. And I know a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear that. I do. Got zero coverage on any channel other than Fox. Zero. No, government overreach, law enforcement abuse only matters if it's against Democrats or white cops being mean to black guys. That's the only time government brutality matters. It, yeah. It, it works both ways, I suppose. Rachel Maddow opened her show and went long with some Trump tax thing that I don't Ooh. really understand that didn't get mentioned at all on Fox. I, I'm, I'm thinking we'd probably be better off if there was a channel that had some of both. Uh, maybe in some cases, most of neither. But uh, the the fact that you've most got of neither, <laughs> but uh, but the fact that you've got one channel big lead story Trump taxes nothing on Fox right. turn over to Fox big lead story FBI dossier which is a huge story zero on the taxes thing which I didn't understand but that that's I mean that's mm-hmm. as siloed as you can get right there right right you you I could find at least half the country completely unaware of the text messages and stuff that came out of the FBI at mm-hmm. least half the country yeah. Yep. And we'll never be aware because it will never be on the channels they watch or the newspapers they read. I'm a little more acutely worried right now about the channels that are deliberately wh- whipping up racial hatred. Still doing that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's their it's their uh, fall ratings uh, promotion. Whipping up race hate in the United States. No matter how ha- severely they have to distort information, they're willing to do it. Oh, and I'm going to try to call or email the president uh, this weekend f- with campaign advice that okay. I that I think would get him elected president, and he's making a mistake. So okay. that's what I'm going to do. All right, yeah, give him a me. call. Any chance? Seems typically receptive to advice. And, Don yeah. Jack here, especially from randos. <laughs> um, uh, let's introduce everybody in the squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, still getting all the wedding details done. I'm just. Uh, I have. The, for the wedding guests, you got the one detail down, love. Yeah, yeah, but Jack, <laughs> do you want a gluten-free meal? Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about no, it. Okay, don't, don't, don't strain your your, got, your milk trying to do that. I got one guest that wants a gluten. She's gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free. So I guess I'm oh, just going to put a grape on the Bring plate. Bring your own friggin' food. Yeah, I. Sorry, I, if it, uh, it may be some b- b- beloved relative of yours, Michael. I apologize for I, interceding I with is, my usual yeah. belligerence. <laughs> mm, I um, don't think it is. Michael says narrowing down the suspects. <laughs> yeah. No, I. I don't know. I. Yeah. When I started into gluten free, I was talking to people that have done it before, and uh, they said there's 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 the demand everybody else do it with you or the first thing you do at the restaurant is make it a pain in the ass to order for everyone or that sort of thing or you keep it to yourself and work around it and i'm definitely the latter 
Yeah. No, the, the idea of you you show up to a wedding and they've got to provide you a gluten-free meal is freaking ridiculous. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> Some of you others could take a hint. <laughs> wow. If I can't eat gluten, I take the bun off or something. Whatever. The narcissism of small distinctions. You remember when that was the big issue? Everybody had to let you know I'm uh, gluten-free and organic and blah, 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 blah. I don't care. We, I got my own problem. We had our first break in the wall of gluten-free in our family. As we're all doing it to help uh, 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 Henry, who's got actual medical problems, the whole family, did, and we're not seeing any benefit to any of the rest of us, and, and uh, his brother, who's got nothing wrong with him, said, can I please have a regular sandwich? I go to school and I have lunch and I just can't eat these lunches and I'm hungry all day long. So we got a secret stash of Wonder Bread up in the cabinet. I made him a sandwich with real bread that he, uh, he was very excited about. Do you have a code name for it? <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, just the fact that that Wonder Bread lurks in the cabinet now, it's tough for me to avoid. Oh, I can I can feel the gravitational pull. Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very, it's like the telltale heart, but a little different. <laughs> but uh, a little different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a, a, a word of caution on highly successful television shows, late seasons coming out, and people saying, yeah, it's not that good. They are comparing it to its own early seasons. I could very much believe that season three of Fargo does not live up to season one and two of Fargo, which are on the short list of the greatest seasons that have ever existed. Really? But it will still almost assuredly be better than 99% of the other things out there. That's an excellent point. Also, critics get a kick out of being the first to say something's not good after it's been great. Right. That just it put, <clears throat> put, makes them special somehow. Oh, they're probably all gluten-free and demanded at weddings. Well, and there's a weird psychological uh, phenomenon, not a, a, a twist aspect, something, where if you, as some weasel Richarded writer... <laughs> Confront something great, and you declare, this is bad, says me. You've elevated yourself to, like, being bigger and better than it. You know what I mean? You feel like a big, big man punching I don't know, Fargo in the face or or The Godfather in the face. You know, it's actually right. uh, badly paced and uh, riddled right, with right, cliches. Right, right. You're acting like you're brawny enough to fight it, and you're not. <laughs> You're a weasel. You've never created anything. You just know lots and lots and lots of adjectives. <laughs> Syphilitic critics, as John Prine called them. Yes. Um, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Friday, September 25th, year 2020. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. To begin then, officially, according to FCC rules and regulations, here we go, at Mark. Mark. Hey, listen, this earlier today was announced that Russian President Vladimir Putin was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Putin is thrilled while everyone else in the category is poisoned. Yeah, or falling out a window. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we pointed out, when was it? When I guess it was when Obama got uh, nominated and then won it, which was hilarious. Uh, we became aware that virtually anybody can nominate somebody for a Nobel Prize. You yeah. can nominate your loaf of Wonder Bread if yeah. you'd like. Yeah, getting nominated uh, for that one is not that difficult. But Oh, Tom Friedman of the New York Times just told CNN we're headed toward a civil war. So that's uh, Super. way to lower <clears throat> the temperature. Um, uh, we got clips of the week coming up. Mailbag, the news of the day. It's going to be a hot, hot show. <laughs> just... Sure it is. <laughs> I feel like if I say it over and over in my head, it'll become true. Is that the way things work? That's what uh, what uh, Goebbels thought. Yeah. 
Our text Repeat line is the lie off it enough. 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Charles Barkley said something interesting about the Breonna Taylor uh, case uh, before the Lakers game last night. So maybe we'll get to that later. And it might, ha- might have something to do with the rioting in the streets. So. Interesting. I have a, a point about that case, a ginormous fact. That's been left out of every single discussion. Interesting. It's, I think it's mostly just the lack of curiosity and or courage in America's newsrooms. But more on that to come. Mailbag is coming up in a moment or two. First, though, it's time to take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. Philadelphia is roughly seven Democrats for every one Republican. When we took a look at who applied to vote by mail, that disparity was 17 to 1. To the Chinese Communist Party, I described their approach as co-option, co-opt us in with the lure of access to their market and short-term profits, and then coerce us, coerce us to adhere to the worldview and to make concessions that allow them to achieve competitive advantage against us. There could not have been a clearer mandate because the American people didn't just re-elect Republicans, they expanded our majority. Attorney General Barr is unfit for office. We've got the votes to confirm uh, Justice Ginsburg replacement before the election. Who writes it off? I don't know. The govern- the write-off people. What? Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> and somebody needs to tell that to farting Joe Biden. <laughs> They've got televisions and closets and bathrooms on the floor, on the ceilings. I think Democrats should just cut to the chase and make everyone in America a Supreme Court justice. I mean, think about it. Because of Corona, most of us are already comfortable working in robes anyway, so... Oh, you've got punchline fever, temperature of 103. Comedy's the antidote and Conan's the vaccine. (laughs) Bumblebee. Brand tuna. And you can throw that soccer, you can put a curve on it, you can do whatever the hell you want. Our patented burrito elevator is a twist on the entire burrito eating experience. Mm. <laughs> a twist on the entire burrito eating experience. A burrito elevator, you say. <laughs> Mailbag. Here's your freedom loving quote of the day, once again from the great Ludwig von Mises. We lived from the 1880s through the 1970s, in case you wanted to know. Intellectuals coined most of the slogans that guided the butcheries of Bolshevism, fascism, and Nazism. Intellectuals extolling the delights of murder. Writers advocating censorship. Philosophers judging the merits of thinkers and authors, not according to the value of their contributions, but according to their achievements on battlefields. They're the spiritual leaders of our age of perpetual strife. The age of perpetual <laughs> strife. Yeah, I like that. Uh, judging the merits of thinkers and authors, not according to the value of their contributions, but who they were and if they were on the right side. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Oh, my. A lot of great email today at mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll have some bonus mailbag later, probably, but keeping me sane even in the rain, right, Zach? 
He says, forgive the terrible subject line. <laughs> Just wanted to say I'm out, out with my unit at field training in the south where it's been pouring. Just got off fire guard at 2330. Promptly changed out of my soaking wet uniform and crawled back into my shelter and started promptly listening to the podcast, which led me to actually laugh out loud to the annoyance of my battle buddy next to me. Thanks for those doses of humor and sanity that keep me sane. That's nice. Zach. That is. That's super cool, my brother. God, I feel like we got to live up to that today. <clears throat> uh, okay. You get done working all day long, you're putting your life on the line, you crawl in, you need a little, and then you turn us on it. This is it. Oh, my God. Counterpoint to uh, to Zach's note, here's a note from Thomas. You two suck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the input, sir. Um, Maui Reed writes, Aloha, guys. Awesome podcast and show on the uh, 24th. That's yesterday. Going to work through all the albums. Ah, our One More Thing podcast where we uh, listed our 10 favorite albums. Um. Uh, Joe's pretension, Jackson. Well, it wasn't. It was me admitting to the desire to be pretentious and not doing it. That's that's the opposite of pretension, Maui Reed. You bastard. You so, bastard. I'm sorry. That was a little strong. <laughs> Jack's embarrassment. Sean's weird Al compulsion. It was all lovely. <laughs> Much mahalos, Maui Reed. How much time do we have? Jack's uh, embarrassment. Joe from Dayton uh, also really enjoyed the podcast. Hanson seems like a good dude, he writes. Always appreciate when he chimes in. He's, he's a fabulous dude, as a matter of fact. Yeah, we clearly need bonus mailbag uh, in a little bit. Cool. A lot of good email from the folks. Some important wrinkles in the FBI collusion steel dossier thing. Oh, yeah. Armstrong and Getty. I, you know, I'm a bit cynical, having looked at this, this stuff for years. Um, but even being a cynic, this behavior shocked me. And you know, we're told it was only the leadership who's doing kind of bad things. The rank and file are good. These are rank and file agents talking about this. And where were the whistleblowers? And why are we learning about this three years after Chris Ray took over the FBI? Why are we having to learn about this from a court case? Why was this not disclosed to Congress? And it's a complete disgrace that it's taken this long to get any real information about it. I haven't heard any. That's from Tucker Carlson last night on Fox. I haven't heard anybody explain why we continue to get revelations, texts, etc. coming out of the FBI. I don't understand how that process works. People have to file Freedom of Information Act uh, requests and let that work their way through the court because the uh, the FBI is not giving up anything. They're not coming clean. They're not saying, hey, here's the mistakes that were made. Here's how we uh, intend to correct them going forward. As usual, and, and I have a great deal of admiration for a lot of the people in the FBI, but uh, the iron law of bureaucracy rules that bureaucracies start to accomplish a purpose and bit by bit they slide until the people in that bureaucracy serve the bureaucracy and protect it. That's their job. Well, Lindsey Graham, who runs the committee who's looking into this, said this is the most stunning piece of information that's come out yet. We'll get to that stunning piece of information in a second. But since that guy just mentioned the texts, a couple of the texts that were revealed yesterday, one FBI agent looking into what other FBI agents were doing at the time. Doing all this selection research, I think some of these guys want a Clinton presidency. They seem to respect that they know what they're going to get instead of a wild card like Trump. So he, he he was watching what was going on and thinking, man, these people seem like they want Clinton to win. Yeah, yeah well, that's because that's what was going on. Um, uh, but to the Lindsey Graham thing, uh, I'm trying to get to all my notes here because <clears throat> I have so many of them. 
It, it's uh, it's very clear now that the well, it's been clear from for a, a very long time, but the the Steele dossier was, as Bob Woodward called it, a crap document, and how it ever got used for anything is amazing. Um, and, but, and it was interestingly enough full of Russian collusion. It was a bunch of yeah. Russian misinformation, and they knew it was a crap document for a very long time. So yesterday it came out that the primary source for the Steele dossier was likely a Russian agent and had been in, suspected of being a Russian agent since 2009 by the FBI. The FBI had been investigating this guy since 2009, who is the source for Steele, who is a very shifty character, for this... Uh, the, I hate using the word dossier, but this uh, compiling all this crap on Trump that was being paid for by people that wanted to damage Trump... Uh, and they knew this guy was a Russian agent or likely a Russian agent for years and didn't tell the FISA court this when they were getting their documents to go around that we've got some very damaging stuff here oh. that we've uncovered and where we need the we need the ability to spy on US citizens that are part of the Trump campaign because of this damaging in information. So it happens they, to be a crackpot Russian agent. They knowingly left out that their source was a Russian agent. And they knowingly left out that Carter Page had been working with the CIA. Yeah. Yeah, right. That both is those, just unreal. Both, both of those things together are pretty impossible to explain. Some of the, uh, do you have uh, what you're looking for? Was that it? Is it? Um, some of the other things that have been disclosed, uh, emails and, and texts and that sort of thing, uh, there's a conversation about everybody taking out professional liability insurance. Oh, yeah. And why? Um, and it, the answer is essentially, well, there's a big leak at the DOJ, New York Times, among others, was going to do a piece, and just everybody's afraid we're going to get sued for this stuff. Um, the FBI agents also discussed how the investigation's leadership was consumed with conspiracy theories rather than evidence. I'm telling you, man, if this thing ever gets FOIA'd, Freedom of Information Act, there are going to be some tough questions asked, and a great deal of those will be related to Brian, have, Brian having a scope way outside the boundaries of logic. Wow. Redacted name is one of the worst offenders of the rabbit holes and conspiracy theories. This guy traveled with that guy, who put down a third guy as his visa sponsor. The third guy lives near a Navy base. Therefore, we need to investigate him. Right. So. You know what's going on here? It's, it's, it, it fits in with what you were saying, the iron law of bureaucracies. They, 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 they hunker down and protect themselves. You got all these FBI agents, and they're, and they're all good people. And Well, I don't know if they're all good people. I don't, I don't think some of them were. But they all feel like they're good people. We're all good people. We all work for a good organization. We're the good guys. We can kind of do whatever we want because none of us are going to abuse that. Right. That's and the, our clearly, goals are good. Yeah, that's clearly the way they feel. We are not going to abuse it. So the fact that we're spying on you as citizens, you know, and making up reasons for that, that's not a big deal because we're the good guys. We'll not take it too far. So it'll be fine. Right. That, that's clearly right. their attitude. So, uh, let's see, there it is. An FBI official who served on Robert Mueller's team said he believed the special counsel's prosecution of former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn was part of an attitude to get Trump, and he did not wish to pursue a Trump-Russia collusion investigation as it was not there and considered it to be a dead end. This is FBI agent William uh, Barnett. He made the comments on September 17th in a hearing uh, with the uh, Justice Department 
Um, and let's see. As, as, as a, Barnett, during his interview, detailed his work at the FBI and his assignment to the Bureau's original case against Flynn and former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. Barnett said the Flynn investigation was assigned the code name Crossfire Razor. Uh, Barnett told investigators he thought the FBI's Trump-Russia probe was opaque and with little detail concerning specific evidence of criminal events. Barnett thought the case theory was supposition piled on supposition and added that the predication of the Flynn investigation was not great. And it was not clear what the persons opening the case even wanted us to look at or for. After six weeks of investigating, Barnett said he was still unsure of the basis of the investigation concerning Russia and Trump working together without a specific criminal allegation. Barnett began asking agents what they thought the end game was in the Flynn investigation and suggested that they interview Flynn and the case be closed unless derogatory information was obtained. But he was cautioned against an interview of Flynn due to concerns that it would alert Flynn to the investigation. Uh, and then there are others, switching back down to a, a different article. There are all sorts of emails and texts, people saying, what are we doing with this razor thing? What's the point? There's nothing here. The Michael Flynn investigation mm-hmm. for weeks. And um, Lindsey Graham said uh, yesterday when this came uh, out. One, one more thing. Barnett ran the request to interview Flynn up the chain, but the request was denied and described the investigation, the FBI investigation, into Flynn as top-down, meaning that direction concerning the investigation was coming from senior officials and that you got to clear everything with the top before you do anything, which is, you know, a, a, a bit odd. Comey is sitting before a panel and being questioned next week. You know, and he'll do his uh, his smug thing, but I don't know. He's how, slick. I don't know. I don't know how he'll respond to some of this stuff. Lindsey Graham said, as you said a little bit ago, not only did they not inform the FISA court that the primary subsource was likely a Russian agent, they continued to use the Steele dossier to seek warrants against Carter Page, who was a CIA uh, source at the time. Just amazing. They told the court the primary subsource was truthful and cooperative. In three FISA applications, making no mention of the fact that he was being investigated as a Russian agent. Christopher Steele is the weekly world news. And the FBI was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a major newspaper. Very reliable. Very carefully researched. Uh, we believe Christopher, uh, we believe uh, Carter Page met with the Bat Boy or, <laughs> you know, or whatever, the space alien. That's about as rock solid as it was. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. Well, well, you can't get pulled into the uh, the way they're projecting it. They they knew it was crap. They just needed an excuse. They wanted an excuse to spy on a U.S. citizen, and I'll guarantee you, this happens all the damn time. It's just not with people big enough for anybody to ever find out. If they want to spy on you, they will spy on you. They'll come up with a crap document or a crap reason. They'll lie, apparently, to the the court that, you know, signs the warrants or holds stuff back so they can do what they're going to do because they believe, hey, we're the good guys. We won't abuse it. And then they'll drag you in, question you four times over the case of many, many hours. And if anything is inconsistent, you'll be charged with lying to a federal official. That's really troubling. I, I don't I think it goes on. I think it will continue to go on. I don't think there's anything you can do about it. But it is it's it's troubling. God help you if you're ever on, you know, involved in one of these things. Well, I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's it's almost like a, a I don't know what it's like, but you have to continually 
reestablish, retrain, reclean out according to the principles you're supposed to have. You can't let it coast along. You have to understand it's like, you know, it's like the oil getting cruddy and bad in an engine. You've got to change the oil of these bureaucracies regularly. Or they will be sure. corroded. So you, you after uh, after J. Edgar Hoover, you know, the, so much comes out, and, and then they probably had to keep their noses clean for a while, and and then gradually you get more and more. We get to do whatever we want. Uh, culture yeah. as you go along. Yeah, and we saw what that was like uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know what it's like now. I'm heartened to hear there were a number of uh, FBI agents and and. Uh, civilian assistants and and workers and all who are pushing back against this stuff, asking the questions, what are we investigating here? This is ridiculous. I am disheartened that it takes three years for this to come out. Right. And and the American media, uh, on the whole, ignores it completely because it doesn't fit their narrative. It's a little discouraging. Yeah, I'd say. Like I said, it was a zero story yesterday. It was breaking news on Fox and the Washington Examiners and a huge deal it didn't even make third tier after the last commercial break on CNN or MSNBC yesterday. So it will make no dent in anything. People do not care. Liberals don't care that the FBI spies on U.S. citizens just because they want to. Yeah. Which is amazing. Here's a couple of agents. I'll make this quick. We need to take a break. But they're talking about national security letters to spy on Flynn's finances. Unlike traditional subpoenas, uh, courts don't review NSLs. Um, the decision to NSL finances for Razor bought him time talking about NFL, uh, NFL, <laughs> FBI leadership, um, said one agent, uh, what do we expect to get from an NSL? An agent texted on another one. We put out traces, tripwires to community and nothing. Bingo. The other FBI agent responded. So what's an NSL going to do? There's no content here. Ha ha ha. This is a nightmare. An agent said. If we're working to close down the cases, I'm not sure what NSL results would do to help. Yeah, exactly. That makes no sense, an agent wrote back. How about the one agent saying, some of these guys really seem like they want Hillary to win? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Doing all this election research, I think some of these guys want a Clinton presidency, one agent wrote on August 11th, shortly after the FBI opened up the Crossfire Hurricane investigation against Trump. Um, Charles Barkley with some interesting things to say before the Lakers game last night about the Breonna Taylor uh, situation that hopefully could calm things down a little bit. I doubt it. The way the cable news channels handled the news. Uh, we got a little montage of that that will be shocking to you. The scale uh, reached up and grabbed me by the shirt and pushed me up against the wall and screamed at me this morning. Mm. Mm, I can relate. <laughs> Among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Unfortunately, Halloween isn't the only celebration that's being affected by the pandemic. It looks like New Year's Eve is going to be different, too. For the first time in 114 years, uh, there's going to be no crowd, no revelers allowed in Times Square. Organizers announcing a new virtually enhanced event with live components that incorporate social distancing. Yeah. And if you're upset you can't go to Times Square on New Year's Eve, then I'm pretty sure you've never been to Times Square on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I've always thought that. Uh, Yeah, no Times Square New Year's Eve packed crowd, Ryan Seacrest, Dick Clark thingy. 
this year because of COVID. Uh, FDA is out with a warning about eating. Oh, as I mentioned before, uh, I got on the scale this morning and it grabbed me by my shirt and pushed me up against the wall and said, you think you're cute, don't you? You think you're clever with that whole mashed potatoes and gravy thing last night? <laughs> Take a look at this, smart guy. Boy, you're moving up. You have a very assertive scale. Mine just shrieked in pain. My worst number in a very long time. Ugh. Very disappointing. Ugh. After so much work, it goes away so quickly. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. You can be, you know, on it, diligent, sacrificing for months and blow it all up in like a day. It's kind of the opposite of what Sean says about the stock market, that it goes down faster <laughs> than it goes up, but it goes up more than, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, the weight is kind of half that. <laughs> it, it goes up faster than it goes down, and it goes up more than it goes down. The FDA out with a warning, not anything about Corona. Don't accidentally overdose on black licorice this Halloween. All right. Based on a man who died from eating too much black licorice and a report that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine. I saw this headline yesterday and didn't click on it because I thought it was one of those dumb stories, you know, and they end up being a letdown. Uh, No, the New England Journal of Medicine actually has an article out about it and uh, talking about people with poor diet and in particular the dangers of black licorice eating too much. But this is an interesting case. This guy was a construction worker in Massachusetts. Lost consciousness in a fast food restaurant yesterday. Was taken to a hospital where he died. Doctors wrote that he had a poor diet consisting primarily of several packages of candy every day. Oh, my. He mostly ate fruit-flavored soft candy, like gummy bears and stuff like that. Bags of that every day. That was his only thing he ate. Great, Scott. And then he switched over to black licorice, which uh, contains a certain acid, and uh, his body couldn't change, handle the change, and it killed him. Too much anise. It also contains nothing that I would describe as tasteful. Like, what, does this go into <laughs> what is too much black licorice? Because to me, a single bite is way too much I haven't, black licorice. I haven't had a bite since I was 10 or something. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's I don't even, how is it even it. considered a candy? I, I, in what way? I liked, uh, what, what, what were they good in plenties? That had a bit of black licorice in the middle, but they had like a candy coating around Yeah, well, them, you'll be so. good and plenty dead if you eat too much. According to the All New right. England Journal of Medicine, people 40 or older should be especially vigilant about their black licorice consumption. Even two ounces per day over a two-week period, you're a weirdo if you do that, could cause a regular heart rhythm and may require hospitalization. Two ounces a day for two weeks could put you in the hospital. Wow. Of black licorice. That's not a lot. I see somebody eating more than a single piece of black licorice. I automatically don't trust that person on a cosmic level. <laughs> yeah, wow. Character flaw. But there would be a lot of people. It's not a good idea, but there would be a lot of people that eat that much ice cream every day. Two ounces of ice cream every day for two weeks. Uh, don't do it with licorice. It could kill you. I know a couple of adults who eat uh, red licorice, which all licorice is disgusting to me. I hate red li- I hate all licorice. Yeah. It just tastes terrible. That's one of those rare things that kids usually just go for sweet, sweet, sweet. But licorice is a weird, well, literally anise flavor. Um, I ugh. Thinking about candy hurts my teeth, but um, mm. just even the thought of it. My wife really likes the candy, so we usually have it around. Um, uh, how about a guy, construction worker, who's living on bags of gummy bears only? You child? That's bizarre to me. Mm. I mean... You think you have bad eating habits, but we all know somebody whose eating habits are way worse than ours. Yeah. I just, there's so little pleasure in that. I mean, of all things to only eat. 
to make f- it candy? That's gross. Oh. I had a friend who quit cigarettes, and essentially he would he substituted like gummy worms for it. I wonder if there was wow. one of those sort of things. I eat way more uh, sweets when I, since I quit drinking, and I I like I never would have a I hadn't had a candy bar in fifteen years till I quit drinking. Now I have them pretty regularly. Mm. Not good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well. Died of black licorice, you see. Uh, we could do a little bonus mailbag here. Sure. So we have quite a bit of it. Uh, also, a couple of stories out of the University of California system. <laughs> Turns out uh, they admit all sorts of rich people's friends. Oh, and Hilarious. And, 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 and uh, Diane Feinstein's very husband. Evidently throws his weight around all the time to get uh, rich people's kids in. It's hilarious. And, and hardworking uh, kids get thrown off the waiting list in favor of that. And Chinese nationals, because they full they pay full freight to keep the giant bloated scam going. You see Berkeley, among other places, the sorts of places that are lecturing, or lecturing us constantly about inequality in America at all levels. Yeah. And you're letting the rich kids in because they're rich ahead of other people. Yeah. You have lost all right to ever talk to me about anything. Well, and then the rich white girls and white boys who get in then commence burning down our cities, lecturing us about race or whatever. Yeah, no kidding. So then those very students are going to lecture us about how unfair the country is, and you got in because you're rich. Check your privilege. Check your privilege. You can't wrap your head around how, how insane that is. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Yeah, we got more details on that that will make your head spin. Uh, there's also some, some interesting stuff on the Breonna Taylor thing. And Joe Biden, plastic surgery, yes or no? We'll answer the question. Armstrong and Getty.